It is summer, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. That's a great thing. I don't care who you are or where you are. Summer is a great time of year. I want to ask you a question. How many of you, your household, you are not impacted by an academic or school calendar? Can I just, just raise your hand if nobody in your house is impacted by that anymore? Isn't that interesting? Now, it doesn't matter where you are. I, I think all of us, all of us get a little bit, you know, a little spring in our step because it's summertime. Like, like, you know, it means ice cream and it means playing in the hose. It means drinking out of the garden hose. Summer's just a, a how many of you have ever drunk out of a garden hose? Can I see a show? Okay, good, good. You've got to let your kids drink out of the garden hose. If they do that, they're building up immunities that way. It's an important part of childhood Physically and biologically, science proves it. It's science. Um, when I think about summer, I, I think about spending almost all summer with my grandparents in Beaumont where, where they lived their entire lives. I loved Beaumont. Be- if you, how many of you have ever been to Beaumont? I don't mean through Beaumont. You've been to Beaumont. Beaumont is part of Texas that is known as the Golden Triangle. That is the most misnamed nickname in the history of the universe. I love Beaumont. I love it. Don't send me an email, but that is the armpit of Texas. I mean, that is just, that is just, ugh. But I loved it. Growing up, it's where my grandparents were. I'd go there all summer long. As I grew up and got a little bit older, I remember spending all day, every day at the neighborhood pool, you know, from the minute it opened to the minute it closed. And then from there, I remember when I started to earn some of my own money mowing yards. Summer just is a fun time of year. It's just it's one of those things that I think is so great about the seasons. And I learned something very, very recently about summer that I want to share with you today. We're doing something different today. This is not part of a sermon series like we almost always are in. This is, this is kind of a one-off because I learned something about the character and the nature of God that I think is so important And I believe he wanted me to share it with you. And it's something that happened in our household. We recently had everybody at home. Julie and I are empty nesters, as most of you know, but for a confluence of reasons, we found everybody at home. Emily was home. Joseph was home. Our two bonus kids, Allie and Sylvie, were home. And and they were all together. We were all sleeping under the same roof, which as they've gotten older, that happens less and less and less. We've got a couple who are in grad school, we got one who's in college, we've got another one who is a NICU nurse who works at night, and her schedule's all whacked out all over the place. But this particular morning, everybody was at home. And Julie and I had gotten up, you know, kind of slept in a little bit till about 6. And about 10 or 10.30, I was walking through the living room in our house, and I knew that everybody was there, but the house was eerily quiet. Have you ever been in the woods and it got real quiet? It's scary. That's how it is at our house. When our house is quiet, I get nervous. I said, Julie, where is everybody? She goes, you're not going to believe this. They are all still asleep. And and I can't explain where this came from, but something inside of me just kind of clicked. I was so happy. I was so excited that everybody was home and Asleep. I was so excited that our home is still a haven where they could come and 
rest and relax and recover and recuperate. And there was something in that. I was just like, this, it just made me smile. Julie said, all day long, you just were walking on air because everybody was there, but especially when they were all sleeping. Here's what I learned. I think, I really believe that what I experienced that morning when everybody was sleeping in our house, I think that is just a small sliver, a tiny fraction of what God experiences when you and I take him up on his standing invitation to rest in God, to, to find our rest in God. God, I think that's part of what summer reminds us is it's a time to hopefully take a little bit of time and get away or at least play a little bit, but to rest in God is this standing invitation that is reiterated throughout the Bible, and yet we take so little advantage of it. I think one of the things, if I were to classify or characterize the world that you and I live in, in 2019 America, I think the one word I would use would be frenzy. We live in a frenzied time in our world. Bless you. We live in a time when we are absolutely, as my mom likes to say, doing life on the back of a fire truck. And most of us know what that's like. A lot of us, if you do take a vacation in the summertime or any other time, how many of you have ever come back from a vacation and needed a vacation? Can I just, it's unbelievable. Julie and I have done that before. We're like, that, I mean, whew, I wasn't at work, but I'm exhausted. And that was vacation. And yet, God says that we are to find our rest in him. The Bible says that God himself rested on the seventh day as an example for us to follow. Now, I want you to think about that for just a second. God, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, God rested Now, if you think about that, that's weird. I mean, do, do you really think that, that when God got to the end of creation, he was just like, I just need to take a knee here for a second. Wait a minute. And yet, that's what he did. He took a knee. God rested as an example for us to follow. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to go to Matthew Chapter number 11, Matthew chapter 11, there's this very, very small but incredibly significant invitation of Jesus's. Jesus is, is communicating, preaching, but I want you to read with me what Jesus said in Matthew 11 verses 28 through 30. Jesus said this, then Jesus said, come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest 
for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Jesus said, if you're soul weary, if you're soul exhausted, Jesus says, I will give you rest. And so what I want to talk to you today about is, is this idea of a spiritual summer, a, a spiritual summer that transcends dates on the calendar or when you finish your finals, a spiritual summer that is always available to us. Think about if you could have summer anytime. Think about, like, if you could su suddenly, think about, put yourself right now on December the 22nd. Just in the, in the frontal lobe of your brain, think about being December the 22nd. You've got family in town. It's a wonderful blessing. You've got a, a shopping list that is not yet complete, and you don't know when or if you will complete it. You've got kids who have been out of school for three or four days and are starting to go get a little bored. Think about being in that moment, if you could just suddenly <laughs> transport yourself to summertime, sitting on a beach, drinking a Coca-Cola with an umbrella in it, and reading a John Grisham novel. That, that's, that's the kind of summer that I'm talking about. And if you could take that moment, you could take that opportunity and have access to it spiritually at any time of year. I want you to turn to your neighbor, and with summertime excitement, passion, and enthusiasm, tell them, get your summer on. Get your summer on. Now, it, it doesn't matter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a suggestion to you also. I would encourage you to get off of social media this summer. Just, just. I'm, I don't know if you know this. Scientists have now proven that if you get off social media, the world will continue to spin on its axis. That, that's just a true statement. But, but man, when, when you're on social media, you're, you're watching somebody else's highlight reel, comparing it to your pregame and rehearsal reel. Just, just let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Just let it go. Just get away from it. Now, when I say get your summer on, what I'm talking about is that spiritual summer where we find rest in Jesus. To find rest in Jesus. It's a great concept. Somebody, somebody you know, it's, it's a great thing to have the idea, but how do we actually do that? How does that, how do you, how do you access that and experience that? Well, I want you to go back to the program that you got that I was mentioning earlier. Open it up to the message notes page right here. If everybody would just take it out real quick. And right here at the top on the left-hand margin, I want you to write down the word rest, R-E-S-T, coming straight down the page. We're going back to the acrostic. We haven't done this in a while. But it's summertime. We're going to make this a little interactive. 
Rest, R-E-S-T. And I'm going to ask you to, to help, your, help a preacher out a little bit as we go through this to rest, R-E-S-T. R, give me an R. R. Rely. Rely, period. Just start there. To rely on God. Now, that's not an abdication of your personal responsibility in any way, shape, or form. But to rely on God means that you start with the acknowledgement, with the understanding that he is God and we are not. Everybody do this real quick. Just kind of sit up straight. and Everybody just kind of go, take a deep breath, hold it for just a second, and now let it out. Doesn't that feel good? Just, it's just kind of what they call a, a cleansing deep breath. When, when I acknowledge that he is God, he is sovereign and in charge, and I am not, and he is able to be relied upon, that, that helps me to relax a little bit, to, to, to kind of begin to let go. To rely. E is going to surprise you. E, give me an E. E. Think. Enjoy God. Enjoy him. Now, for some of you, this is going to be a radically new concept. Because maybe you grew up in an environment or a context where the thought of enjoying God is completely foreign to you. And I understand where that comes from, but understand that it's not God. It's because someone, somewhere along the way, misrepresented the character and the nature of God to you. If you understand who God really and truly is, then you know that we are to enjoy him. To, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I, I was looking back over some sermon series that we've done around here at Lake Hills Church over the last eight or nine years. And I remember a sermon series we did called Bacon. Bacon. Look, you're smiling. The word makes you smile. It's kind of salty. It's kind of sweet. Bacon. Taste and see that the Lord is good. There are parts of God's personality that are so sweet, that are so rich. You, you can't help but want some more of it. There are also some parts of his personality that are a little salty, that that are always confronting and challenging and equipping us to, to up our game. But it's always born out of the goodness of God. Some of you know my wife, Julie, and you know that she's the, she's the funniest person I've ever met. I've ever heard her. She's the smartest, quickest mind I've ever been around in my life. She's so smart. It's a little annoying to live with sometimes. But, but Julie is really, really funny. And I can't tell you how regularly people stop me and will say, Mac, I was talking to your wife, Julie, the other day, and she is just a hoot. And then they'll say this, you must laugh all the time. <laughs> I, now, let me say this. I laugh a lot. We, we have a ball. I, the empty nest is a blessing greatly to be desired. But... I don't laugh all the time. 
Matter of fact, there's some times when, when Julie, when Julie, I thought that was me, I thought, <laughs> thought I broke something. <laughs> there's some times, I'm sorry, I get distracted so easily. I'm like, something shiny. So anyway, I don't laugh all the time. There are times when Julie, in love, and because she loves me, because she wants to continue to like me, will let me know some things I need to change, will let me know if I'm not acting as I should, if I'm not thinking as I should, if I'm misreading something, believe me when I tell you, she will absolutely step into that. Sometimes she enjoys it a little too much to be candid with you. And there's, there, there are a lot of times when I'm not really excited to receive news like that. Is anybody ever not excited to receive news like that? Can I just see a show of hands? You know, when the Bible says iron sharpens iron, that means, yeah, you get sharp. That's good. But think about it. When iron sharpens iron, there's some friction. There's some sparks that fly. There's some grinding that occurs. And Julie sharpens me on a regular basis. And so, no, I don't laugh all the time, but I always appreciate her. I always enjoy the fact that she will step into that. I, I sleep better at night because I know Julie will do that. To enjoy God means that you appreciate all of his character, that you, you know those different facets of his character because you've engaged with him. So, so we rely on him. We enjoy him. S, give me an S. S. Serve. Serve. I think one of the primary reasons that a lot of us strive and frenzy the way that we do is because we're not serving anywhere. We're not pouring ourselves into other people's lives. We're thinking about what can we get. Do I want to go to church? Do I want to? I'm going to stay at home and watch online. I just couldn't get it together. Well, I, you shouldn't be here 52 weeks a year, for the record. I'm not here 52 weeks a year, and I'm pretty committed. <laughs> but you should be serving. It doesn't have to be all week at VBS. It doesn't have to be in the back changing diapers. But somewhere you should be serving other people. Serving people in God's name feeds our souls. That's how he's wired us up. So, so we serve, and sometimes we take a break. It may be two or three weeks or whatever, but I can't tell you how many people over the years have said, we're, we're just going to take a break, and we'll be back when we're back, and it turns into three, four, five, six months, and, and then they're, they're disconnected. Not just from the church, but they're disconnected from the things of God that feed their souls. So serving is a part of this rest that Jesus is talking about here. And then number four, T. Give me a T, strong. T. Trust. Trust. When Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest, you will find rest in him. That means that you trust him more than you trust yourself. This is the obedience factor. This is where 
We believe that what God has said in the Bible is God's word. From Genesis through Revelation, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, people copied down what God inspired them to write. And because he's God, he could supernaturally communicate it. And because he's God, he could supernaturally protect the translation of it to give us his word. And we will trust this word with our lives by how we act, by how we speak, by how we think. We will filter things through the word of God and not through our feelings. Because our feelings ebb and flow, don't they? Anybody here, have you ever been misled by your feelings? Today? <laughs> I mean, we, that's just how we roll. We're, we're human beings. Men and women. Men, men have hormonal cycles too. I don't know if you know that, but that's the truth. That's as far as I'm going with that part of the sermon. But my point is, our feelings can mislead us. So we filter everything through Scripture, through the Word of God, and we trust Him more than we trust ourselves. So we rely, we enjoy, we serve, and we trust. And it's in that context that we begin to experience this rest that Jesus promises. But I want to I really kind of unpack and dissect this passage that we read from Matthew chapter 11. Going back to the words of Jesus, he said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. The, the, when, you, when you pick this apart, Jesus is saying here, you and I have to rest in Jesus' invitation. Rest in Jesus' invitation to come to him. Come to him. Now, this has a couple of different levels. One level is that initial response to the invitation. When you understand that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, born of a woman, lived a sinless life, and then died on a cross and rose from the dead for you by name. By name. And he invites you to come to him, to receive forgiveness for everything that you have ever done that would drive a wedge between you and God, and to experience eternal life, a, a, a fraction of which begins right here, right now, but which will be fulfilled in eternity after this life. So, so we, we come to him in that way, but then there's also, once that has happened, there's also this coming to him on a regular basis where we, we close out the outside world and we deliberately and intentionally communicate with him. We, we pray. We, we read the Bible. I started doing something about three months ago that's been a game changer just in my faith journey. Julie and I wake up and have coffee of a morning every day of the world. But before I read or watch or check anything, I open up God's Word. I just open the Bible. Right now I'm in the book of Proverbs, and I decided that I wanted to take in God's Word before I took in anything, email, text that had come in the night, uh, social media, Instagram, whatever. I just wanted to start with God and Julie 
Now, you can do half of that. But start by just reading God's Word. Just, just read a proverb this week. Read, and you will be amazed at how that sets the tone for your day. How that calms the frenzied heart or mind. So rest in Jesus' invitation. Come to me, all who carry heavy burdens. Sometimes the burden is just the burden of life in general. But sometimes the burden is very, very specific. Sometimes there's a, a loss of a loved one. There, there's a, a burden for a, a child, maybe an adult child. It doesn't matter what your burden is. Jesus is sufficient to carry it. He, he says, come to me and I will give you rest. Look at what he says. Moving on, he goes, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is saying here, part of the way that we find our rest is, yes, we, we rest in his invitation. But here he's saying, rest in his instruction. Rest in his instruction. You know, when we started the church, what, 22 years ago, we started with a commitment that we continue to this day, that we are committed to the Bible. We will, we will do everything that we can to discern and communicate Scripture accurately because it is the Word of God. That's our, our ultimate authority. And what I didn't know at the time was how much easier that would make the job of pastoring. Because when you make that commitment to Scripture, then you don't have to make it up as you go along. You don't have to pick and choose and go, well, you know, the, the words that are in red, we believe most of those. But some of the stuff over here that Paul said, well, I don't know. That, do you understand how complicated that is? When you realize that all of this is God's Word, all of it is inspired by His Holy Spirit, and you commit your life to learning and taking in the instruction of Jesus and what he says, it's unbelievable how much pressure that relieves from the frenzy that most of us live in on a regular basis. To rest in the instruction of Jesus. He says, take my yoke upon you. Now, I'm, I'm a product of VBS. I was there, Jack. Graham crackers and Kool-Aid. You know, crosses made with yarn and popsicle sticks. I've, I've done it all. And I remember the first time I read this, when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, I thought that this was how we got the Easter bunny and Easter eggs. Take my yoke upon you. And fortunately, somebody shared with me, it's not a yoke. It's a yoke. It's what, it's what oxen have on their necks to, to carry a load or a burden or to plow a field. It's this yoke that you were paired to a burden with. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. And when Jesus said this, it was actually a double entendre because it not only referred to the yoke that an oxen, team of oxen would use, it also referred to the teachings of a rabbi. In Jesus' day and age, 
the leading rabbis had schools of students that followed them. And they would, they would grow up in the training of these rabbis. And the rabbis kind of reached a certain level of status based on how challenging their curriculum was. And their curriculum and what they were teaching in their schools became known as the yoke of that rabbi. And so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, he's saying, take my teaching upon you. And I will give you rest for your souls. It's not just about keeping rules and regulations. It's about the relationship with the giver of the rules and the regulations. And Jesus says, if you will take that on you, if you will find rest in my instruction, you will experience a peace that passes all understanding. You, you won't be able to describe it, but you will absolutely be able to experience it. I want to ask you a question. And you don't have to respond if you don't want to, but just out of curiosity, how many of us right here, right now, maybe watching online, how many of us could use some rest at a soul level? Let me just, if, if just, I mean, at a, now I want you to do something. I want you to keep your hands up for just a second. And now while our hands are up, I want you to look around the room. I, and I tell you to do that not to take note of whose hands are up, but to be encouraged by the fact that you're not alone. You're not alone and you're not crazy. This is a tough world. We live in a rough environment. And Jesus promises us rest for our souls. If we will rest in his invitation, but also in his instruction. But he's not done just yet, because look at what he says. He goes, my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So he does give us a burden. He does place a yoke on us as followers of Jesus that we are to bear. But in relationship with him, it's not too heavy. It's not too much to bear. Jesus is saying here to rest in his intention. Rest in his intention, what he intends for you, what he has planned for you. The, the Bible tells us that we are God's workmanship. We are a masterpiece created by God for works of service which he has preordained in Christ Jesus for us to do. He's got work for you to do. He has an intention for you, which means there is rest in his intention. You, you don't have to make it up out of whole cloth. The more you get to know him, the more you'll know his intention. The more you trust him, the more you'll know what he wants you to do. He says, take my yoke on you. It's easy. It's light. The burden that I give you is not too much for you to carry. When we carry it together, when we're moving in the same direction at the same pace, as I studied this, as I, as I began really looking at this, I noticed a trend in my life. And it's not a good trend, just to be totally candid with you. My trend 
is to get out in front and ask God to come bless what I'm doing. Anybody ever struggle with that? If I, you know, yeah, two of you, thank you. So <laughs> when I stay even with Christ in my relationship with him, when I'm consistent in my prayer life, when I'm consistent in my study of the word and my ingesting of the word, when those things are consistent and every step I take, I'm taking with him, the yoke doesn't get cattywampus. I don't have to ask God to come catch up, which is kind of comical to begin with. God, if you could just catch up with me. That, I mean, that's crazy. But every step, I stay even. I walk with. It's amazing how peaceful that is. It's amazing. And sometimes, sometimes God says, pick up the pace. A lot of times, God says, Mac, I want you to catch up to me, bruh. I, I, I got stuff for you to do you haven't even imagined yet. But we find that rest in his intention. But make sure that you understand this. It all starts, it all starts with his invitation. He says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what burdens you're carrying or wrestling with, but I do know this. You were created for spiritual summer. You were created to rely on God. You were created to enjoy God. You are here on this earth to serve God. Ultimately, as you trust God, and he has already invited you into it. You may not have been aware of the invitation, but you are now. You, you've heard. So now you get to respond. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a brief moment. If you have already RSVP'd this invitation from Jesus, then I want to invite you just to be praying with everything that you've got. But if you haven't, if you haven't personally and definitively responded to the invitation of Jesus himself, why not right now? Why not right now step into that rest that pleases the heart of God, the peace that passes all understanding. If you'd like to do that, you're in the perfect place to do it because you're surrounded with people who want to help. And so in this moment, I just invite you, if God's leading you to respond to his invitation, Here's how you do it. Just silently pray. Prayer is just communicating our heart to God's. So just silently communicate and say something like this in your own words. Just silently say, Jesus, I need you.
I need you and I want your rest. And so in this moment, I confess my sin to you, all of it. And I accept your forgiveness. I choose to believe that it is complete. And so I receive it. Holy Spirit, help me to repent, to turn away from that sin that I've confessed and to leave it behind. Jesus, in this moment, I choose to believe that you died on the cross for me, that you rose again from the dead, and that right now I have a new life in you, with you, because of you. And in exchange for your life, I give you mine. And I will follow you with everything I have from this moment forward. I pray this prayer in your name. I want to ask you just to remain with your heads bowed for another moment, a sacred moment. Because if that was your prayer, then as a church, as a family with you, we have the opportunity, we have the responsibility to help with what's next. And so this is, this is a privilege for us. And I want to ask you to do just a couple of things to help us do that. If you would, right now, just take out the program that we were talking about earlier. And on that inside panel, there's the connect card. If you would, right now, just start filling that out. With your name and contact information, we always keep those things in-house. And you'll notice right below where your contact information is, there's a place to indicate, I committed my life to Christ this week. If you would, just fill that out, and when you finish it, you can tear it off along the perforated fold there, fold up that part of it, and just... When we dismiss in a moment, if you would hand it to one of our ushers, one of our hosts who's wearing the blue LHC shirt, and that card will initiate a conversation that proceeds at whatever pace works for you so that we can help. Help with what comes next because this is just the beginning. And then second of all, as our heads are bowed for another moment, if you would just raise your hand. If you just responded to Jesus' invitation, would you just lift your hand up high over your head and hold it there for a moment? Because your hand in the air is just a, a physical statement of that spiritual commitment that you made. And it's a big deal. It's a big deal for you. It's a big deal for us. With you. Alongside You can go ahead and put your hands down, but we're going to put our hands together and tell you, welcome home. Welcome home.
never gets old.